1: Today, we're talking about the principles of lean-driven innovation. Now, those will lead to more value for customers and also faster value capture, such as revenue for your organization. The principles can be applied to any industry, but for our guest, they grew out of the R&D and product development practices at Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. And our guest is Norbert Majurius, who was the lean champion in innovation at Goodyear, where he worked for nearly 40 years before recently retiring. He has a wealth of experience. Now he enjoys sharing his experience with others, and he captures much of the practices he learned in his new book, Lean Driven Innovation. As always, I take notes of our discussion for you so you don't have to. This makes it really easy for you to look back at any key points that you want to follow up on. And you'll find those notes along with the links that we share at theeverydayinnovator.com 212. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Norbert, thank you for joining the Everyday Innovators.
2: Well, think you, you're welcome.
1: I'm glad we get a chance to talk. I always love learning more about lean, which is a uh, field near and dear to your heart, because you have a long career, and actually you were at Goodyear for a, a number of years, and there as a lean champion when you retired earlier this year. Uh, tell us what that really involved.
2: Well, I spent uh, actually 39 years at Goodyear, and I spent uh, all my time in um, in R&D, mostly uh In the innovation creation uh, part of uh, of R and D, got sixty patents over that over my career at Goodyear, and uh, I was actually a recipient of uh, of, uh, discretionary funding for some of the ideas that I had. So Mm -hmm. the company, uh, it was quite some time ago, gave me an opportunity to actually uh, take those ideas and. uh, develop them into, uh, into a plant, actually, uh, mm. the, uh, into a manufacturing operation. So um, I spent um, pretty much uh, uh, time in many, many different areas, uh, uh, not only product design, but also project management. I uh, uh, worked in the plants for a while. I uh, spent a lot of time with marketing, even uh, a short time um, uh, finance. So I, I really covered the whole spectrum of uh, industrial um, uh, innovation quite well. The last uh, fifteen years of my career, I spent in Lean, and um, the idea was to try to take the Lean concepts uh, that uh, we know very well from manufacturing and see if we can use them in um, in R and D. And it was a real challenge to use them in the creative part because innovators think there can't be a process they think they have to have total freedom but it turned out that you can have both you can yeah. combine both and uh, we developed it into a really um, a very very simple process actually that uh, works very well and um, uh, have uh, i have seen it in in many companies since and that's something that i like to share with uh, the rest of the industry now that i'm retired
1: Excellent. And you talked about taking those concepts from manufacturing and R&D. As we'll talk, well, I'm sure some of these principles will come up. But I found having constraints actually helps innovation, right? It helps our creativity to have some of those constraints. And it sounds like that's part of your experience that you ran into.
2: Uh, yeah, that is uh, that is correct. Uh, you can't. Um, uh, you, that uh, that blue sky thinking is fine uh, as long as you generate ideas. But then eventually you need to take these many 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 ideas and uh, and reduce some to practice, and um, uh, that you can uh, get some revenue out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where a lot of that lean thinking comes in.
1: And you've written recently written a book, The Lean Driven Innovation. It sounds like this probably came out of that legacy of process work that you left there at Goodyear. Um, tell us about about that book. Why you wrote that?
2: I wrote that book because. Um... Uh, I, I have had very little formal training on uh, on, on innovation or on, uh, on, on even product development, anything like that. I learned everything by uh, working, by doing the work and yeah. the making mistakes and uh, learning from them. And uh, I'm happy that the company let me uh, share what I learned in my career because I think a lot of those uh, ideas are very useful to other people who – one, uh, who struggle doing the same thing and maybe they can avoid some of the mistakes that I made, or even better, maybe they can learn from some of the stuff that uh, that uh, I found extremely useful and mm-hmm. uh, so that's why I'm glad the company gave me the opportunity to write that book and um, as i said it's it's for other people who are in the same boat who uh, want to do this, who are doing the same thing. To, to learn from uh, from my experience.
1: Okay, and we don't have to be making tires here. This is for I- innovation and <laughs> in, across disciplines, probably with some reasonable focus in R and D aspect of that. Is, is that fair? Uh,
2: that is that is correct. I do use uh, my experience um, uh, for illustrations, mm-hmm. for examples. But no, the book is not about making tires. <laughs> but it uh, it does tell the story um, what we went through, the challenges that we had, and. Um, how we overcame them, because I think that is uh, there's valuable learning in sharing that experience Excellent. with real life examples that people do understand.
1: Yeah, I'd like to walk through some of those principles. So the lean principles that you have applied as an innovator, and one of those you call is to focus on the customer need. I already like the title because I'm very much oriented <laughs> towards let's make sure we are adding value to the customer. Tell us more about focusing on the customer need.
2: Yeah, um, If you look at um, uh, the biggest innovations over the last uh, 20 or 30 years, um, uh, th- most of them have not come from a marketing survey. Mm-hmm. Uh, most came from uh, an engineer uh, or an expert in uh, in a service or something. Uh, seeing customers struggle uh, with uh, with uh, things and they matched uh, 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 that uh, that struggle that they see that, that the customer pain point or empathy or whatever you call it they matched that with a technical solution which could be a product or a service or whatever and um That's really something that uh, engineers used to be very good at, and I'm afraid a lot of uh, innovators have uh, lost that talent of observing customers Mm -hmm. and um, uh, developing empathy for customer problems, and uh, 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 out of that motivation, uh, uh, look at what... Uh, What they know about products, about services, technical knowledge that they have, and uh, find a solution to those customer problems. And uh, to me, that is a very big um, part of innovation, uh, uh, not generating ideas randomly, what could be done, but really start with a customer problem and then uh, fan out and explore the the design space that is available to find solutions to that Mm -hmm. problem.
1: Yeah. The opposite approach is the pure technical approach where we come up with some new invention, some new capability. Uh, yeah. And then we look for the market, right? We we try to figure out does anyone have this yeah. problem or
2: not? But that is also a good way of doing it. Um it has its place. The- yeah uh, actually I have been uh, saying that um, you all you know um, uh, necessity is the mother of invention but mm-hmm. uh, these days uh, you can see a lot of invention um, is the mother of necessity where you have a product and then create uh, uh, create an, um, uh, a market for it but both of them start with a very limited area and then fan out uh, uh, creating ideas from there. The, uh, I still remember the times when we were having all these ideas, suggestion boxes, and we're actually drowning <laughs> in <laughs> ideas. And right. uh, it is much, much more effective um, to start uh, with a pinpoint um, uh, space, uh, which could be a customer need or which could be uh, an opportunity uh, uh, to develop a market for
1: yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Now we have the electronic systems, of course, everyone uses, but we no, the, the, these overflowing uh, suggestion boxes, right? Um, <laughs> that ideas go in them. And as employees, you never really know what happens with the ideas once you put them in. And uh, we go. not much, actually. Okay, so first principle, focus on the customer need. Your next one you talk about is to explore the full design space.
2: Uh, very often, uh, we find ourselves as engineers uh, just um, uh, looking at a product and improving that product and improving it some more and improving it some more. Uh, what we do there is we uh, walk a straight line uh, through a space with endless opportunities. And um, uh, very often, uh, engineers don't uh, explore uh, the whole design space uh, enough. Uh, There are so many other things out there. And um, uh, once you already have, uh, uh, you know you're working on a specific customer need, uh, you should really look at all kind of avenues, all kind of um, uh, uh, what opportunities are there, uh, what technical opportunities are there and um uh, i use uh, many techniques like when i do that like um, uh, how would um uh, how would uh, a superhero fix this problem or how would uh, an ancient civilization have fixed this problem or even uh, how would a a startup any of these uh, uh, think about google think about amazon or how would they go about uh, this problem and uh, uh, even uh, going into, uh, let's assume there are no limits at all. How would we solve this problem if we had no restrictions? Mm-hmm. And um, just to, to make sure people uh, venture into all these different possibilities that are out there.
1: Yeah, and part of that full design space, as you're talking about that, I was thinking about the, the whole product concept that we're, we're moving beyond the, the core value we create to added spaces. And the example that popped in my mind was if I was the, an engineer working on the original iPod, the iPod got created. That would be amazing, right? I would feel really proud of that thing going into the marketplace. But then I would think I would probably recognize six months later when the software team got around to delivering iTunes and go, wow, that actually did ah, make that better, there
2: you, right? There we go. And that is actually a very good point. A lot of people, who, when they really do this well, you will find out they come up with uh, a couple of really good solutions. And they may implement one uh, for the customer pain point that they were working on, Uh but they may spin off another three or four of that and iTunes is a good example uh, for that. We have two products here, okay? Mm-hmm. We have an, uh, a device and we have a market, uh, a new marketing uh, tool to market, uh, uh, to market uh, songs, books, uh, you name it. So yes. uh, very often I see that happen that uh, in the course of uh, de- uh, developing the ideas or even in the course of developing the product, there come spin-offs that may actually be more valuable to the company than right. uh, the original idea. And there's a lot of history on that, by the way. Uh, over the years, uh, people have tracked that and found out companies sometimes make more money on the spin-off of the original mm-hmm. product.
1: Solving that, uh, the whole value chain for the customer and providing value, excellent. Okay, so that's exploring the full design space, what I might think of as kind of the whole product space.
0: Interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery, or RPM experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his Ph.D. work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM.
1: And then another principle you have is work in small cycles. Tell us about that one.
2: The way I uh, went about innovation, the, the traditional way, the way we were taught, uh, when I have an idea, I write a huge big marketing plan, and I spend, uh, I've i seen people spend uh, the better part of a year to just work on the solid, solid master uh, mm-hmm. Business plan, and then they uh, they go to their company uh, for funding, and um, uh, those uh, uh, big business plans are normally associated with a big chunk of money and a very high risk and uh, then uh, then the people uh, wonder why uh, their leadership does not uh, receive them with open arms on that uh, uh, with those big plans. So I have learned that it is much better to uh, work in small pieces, one little piece at a time, split up the risk uh, work on the most riskiest make uh, Make it many little projects. Uh Still uh, have your goal in mind, but uh, work on it in little steps, in little pieces, and take one step at a time. If you do that, uh, now uh, your leadership is not signing up for a, um, for a huge big project, but they are signing up for a little experiment. Right. And uh, it may only uh, take a few months, and it may only uh, cost a few uh, thousand dollars. And that way you can really manage your risk very well. Mm -hmm. And I found out that it is much, much easier to get uh, the funding for a little experiment uh, than for a big project. And after you've done your little experiment, uh, you know a lot more. And now you can go and ask for another little experiment with the new knowledge that you gained. And that way you can engage your leadership and keep them engaged. And at the end, okay, there comes a time when we need to um, uh, to really spend money on it. but at that time, uh, you have an engaged uh, group of leaders they already know about the project, and they also um they also uh, the risk is much lower. Mm-hmm. If you're in, um, if by the way, uh, the big uh, startups, they they work the same way because they have nothing else. Mm-hmm. They can't go and ask anybody for a, a million dollar uh, funding. They 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 have to work with their own money, and that is not a lot. So right. they need to think about the same thing. How can I reduce the risk here that eventually I have a story that I can get the the funding. Uh, uh, for my idea and it's working exactly the same way whether you're in a big corporation or whether you're in a, uh, in a startup the only difference is you have to think differently and right. that is still a hard uh, one to get the, uh, the engineers think differently and get them off the uh, the, um, the fact that they think they need a, an, um, a 50-page business plan first.
1: And that is a key aspect of lean is that experimenting mentality, right? Starting oh, yeah. take, taking on experiments to figure out what we don't know, learning from that, tackling the riskiest things.
2: And I do encourage companies to make a little bit money available to do this little experiments. Mm-hmm. Don't make that complicated. And uh, I know companies who uh, give out a credit card for that, right? You uh, uh, innovators a credit card, say, Hey, uh, spend a little money. Here's uh, here's some uh, little money to spend on this. Just go ahead and um, and come back and show us uh, something that uh, that we may uh, have a better feeling about this. So that should be very unbureaucratic and easy for people to do.
1: Yeah, Adobe's done that with their kickbox yeah, or the, system, right? the red box
2: system, yeah. right? Red box, Adobe red box. Everyone
1: yeah, that goes go. through that that program, gets a thousand dollar credit card, and can you know <laughs> innovate, right? There we go. Excellent. Okay, so work in small cycles. Next principle is, you call that one most important question
2: first. That's right. Uh, Let me tell you a story here. Um, uh, This is a tire story. Um, About uh, 25 years ago, um, I uh, probably more than 30, uh, a little more than 30 years ago, I was uh, working on a project. It was uh, the plastic tire. Hmm. It was like you take polyurethane, pump it into a mold. It's a liquid. You pump it into a mold. You spin cast that mold, and out comes a tire that you can mount on your car and drive. Would have been the biggest revolution in tire since the, the invention of the radial tire, uh, probably some eighty years ago. But and we were we had so much fun. and we made machines, we made the materials, we made molds, we developed processes, and um, of course the project was very very well funded, and we probably and we did use all that funding. Uh, Spent millions of dollars. And then all of a sudden, uh, it dawned on somebody that uh, we should uh, run the the, the government-regulated uh, tire test on this product. And uh, it's a Department of Transportation test, and uh, we ran it a lot on all other products. And now we ran it on our plastic tire. And you know what happened? Uh, the plastic melted, and uh, boom, the tire didn't pass. And uh, I was always, and it took more than twenty years from there to uh, develop a tire that passes that test. And um, uh, Goodyear decided not to pursue the project after the the, the 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 failure of the DOT test. But I wondered for myself why didn't we do that on the very first tire that we ever made? Right, and. Um, so, I learned a big lesson there. So, uh, now I like to ask, uh, if I have a great idea and uh, I want to go and um, uh, work on it, obtain funding for it, um, I identify the most important question first. What is the go-first, the go-no-go no go question? And let me give you another example, mm-hmm. again, from uh, from know a more recent one uh, that I... Um, That happened right before my retirement. Um, uh, Some brilliant uh, engineer had um, figured out to depolymerize tires, how to uh, take old tires and uh, reuse uh, the material in new tires. And um, uh, the only problem, it can be done, but the only problem with it, the tire becomes much more expensive. So, uh, traditionally, you would now uh, start a development program and uh, build tires, test them, and uh, it will take a few years and uh, a few, uh, maybe a half million dollars or more. And then uh, you have a product and then you give it to marketing and say, hey, uh, uh, can you sell this? Well, the most important question here happened to be will anybody pay more money? For a tire that has recycled materials in it, just for the fact that the people do something good for the environment, would they uh, spend more money on it? And uh, the engineers came up with the idea to just uh, make up a uh, sales uh, display. Uh, with traditional tires, but print some um, uh, uh, displays and uh, and, uh, posters and so on. And then they went out into uh, some Goodyear stores and they uh, actually tried to sell this product. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened?
1: I'm thinking that they did not sell it.
2: (laughs) You are absolutely correct. People are not willing to spend that money. Okay, now, uh, project is not dead, of course, uh, uh, but they know something very important. Mm-hmm. product is not the issue. The, uh, will anybody pay for this is the issue. And uh, I'm sure they're working on some other aspects of it, but um, they know that a more expensive tire with recycled material will not sell on the basis that people feel good about the environment. So. Right. Uh, that's what I would call the most important question. In that case, it was, will anybody pay the extra money for it? And the answer was no. So now they have to uh, either uh, freeze the project and um, uh, wait until uh, material comes available that is uh, less expensive, right. or they need to figure out how to sell it on a different basis, or maybe just take a break and work on something else that, right. uh, that uh, Maybe a better idea.
1: Yeah, there may be a time that that other technology changes that actually does lower the cost involved, and now we of, can make a recycled course. tire competitive. Yep,
2: there we go. But uh, just an illustration of what I call the most important most question. important question first.
1: Yeah, it's probably very wise to think through those. I think we all, especially you know, my engineering background, and this is kind of an engineering context we kind of get excited about
2: the solution, right? <laughs> there and, we go. <laughs> and we get
1: running with the solution and we lose track of the actual problem kind of over, over time.
2: We, we, we do what we are best at. That that's is, right.
1: Uh, engineering. Yeah. So keep the most important question in mind. Okay. Next principle you say is good is good enough. Tell us about that.
2: Well, that's actually uh, my way of uh, talking about minimum viable uh, products mm. Um And it has many uh, facets. Uh, It is uh, well known in the industry because um, Stephen Jobs, that was his favorite. Whenever he had a new idea, he heard about a new idea. His first thought was, how can I demo this to a customer? And uh, that demo part is really important. It is not only important to demo it to a customer, but it it may be important to demo it to your chairman or to your uh, uh-huh. chief technical officer or somebody else that uh, or maybe you demo it to a colleague or a bunch of colleagues to get uh, more input in it to get uh, to get better ideas about it and um, uh, so uh, in uh, these days if you uh, want to s- uh, have a tire that show that you can show to people you don't have to build it anymore you can 3d print it for all uh-huh. And that is a great uh, way of, um, uh, of looking at this. Or uh, recently, I, um, uh, a company here that I spend a lot of time with because they are really good in uh, in lean and innovation. It's a local hospital here in Akron, and uh, they were building a new hospital. And um, uh, they weren't sure how to do it. And uh, you would then think, okay, let's build it. And then uh, we tear the walls uh, uh, down and... Uh, make all the changes, but they, there was kind of a little cost prohibitive. Right. So they just uh, built cardboard. Uh, they, they bought uh, pieces of cardboard, big pieces of cardboard, and they set up uh, the hospital in a warehouse, a whole hospital floor full size in a warehouse with cardboard walls, and they were wheeling beds around. They were uh, simulating uh, procedures and operations and all kind of stuff. And uh, it turned out uh, they built the hospital totally different than uh, they thought they would build it by just uh, thinking about what's the minimum investment that we can do to get uh, the answer that we need. And that answer was, well, what's the best setup of, an, uh, of a new hospital? Uh, another example of uh, it takes a lot of thinking, right. and I challenge uh, people to think that way now. Just don't run into... And start building, start engineering. But think about the, what's the number one question? How can you get it answered with the minimum, minimum, minimum investment mm-hmm. and time?
1: I love the hospital example. I'm not familiar with that one at all. And and uh, imagine them setting up their hospital in a large warehouse, you know, in cardboard. Absolutely. What a great way to get real physical experience, right? We, we could do the 3D CAD, you know, simulation and have walkthroughs of that. But that's certainly not the same as as working through the hallways yourself and uh, having that experience.
2: Absolutely. So now, I was there myself. It was very impressive. I bet. Good idea. <laughs>
1: Okay, so good is good enough, that MVP perspective. Start small, what's the minimum investment to find out the information you need? Next, I just want to talk about how these principles lead to better product development and launches overall. right? So you've put together these principles over your career. They're at Goodyear, written about them in the book. How do they come together to help us with really doing better product development?
2: There are a few things that you have to do in product development. We have been talking about the ideas now, which is one of them. But also, now you have to talk about how do I take that idea, now I know I can invest in it, how do I develop the technology, and then how do I develop the product as efficiently as possible. And there again, in both cases, both for the technology and for the speed, Uh, Really, the number one is um, uh, the the speed. Uh, If you are uh, faster in uh, doing your innovation, uh, a lot of good things happen. Um, And one of the big things that uh, I uh, uh, noticed, uh, the faster you get, the more efficient you get. And uh, those two go hand in hand. So pretty much by uh, whatever you can do to get faster is normally uh, also make you more efficient. Uh, uh, especially uh, not only time efficient, but also uh, you will spend less resources and so on and so on. So, uh, uh, work on the speed. And then, uh, the other thing um, uh, um, there's something called cost of delay. Every project has a uh, cost of time to it. Uh-huh. And it is something that project managers very often don't understand or cannot control because, uh, and you Said you've been, uh, you have experience in project management, so you probably know that uh, whenever something goes wrong, uh, the project gets longer and uh, every setback makes the project longer. And project managers normally only have one buffer to put in the project and that's time. So, um. And people don't understand that the cost of time is really enormously high. And mm-hmm. the, those companies who understand the cost of time, uh, they will uh, manage their projects accordingly, uh, uh, which means that uh, there is projects have to deliver on time. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way around that. Because if you're late uh, on your innovation uh, by a few months, by a few years, chances are that you missed a good time to oh,
1: introduce. All kinds of terrible things happen, right? The, the market changes, competitors take action.
2: There, there we go. You,
1: you miss it by a week, and someone else cra- captured revenue for that week so, that you did there again. There
2: we go. Right. And I found out that it helps to put a uh, money, a dollar amount, mm. to that week or two being late. And then even uh, you can use that dollar amount to figure out, uh, uh, can I move this project launch up by six months? Uh, What would it cost to do that? And what would be the revenue, the additional revenue of doing that? And the companies understanding that are using that thinking very extensively. And they are the ones also... Investing in processes to make them faster to make them more agile and uh, so on and so on and uh, pretty much the same thinking that we have talked about now for the Fuzzy front end for the idea generation work in uh, further down the line they they work for the technology development they work for um, they work for the the, the product uh, development. And uh, that is really worth uh, putting the money in it and the thinking in it to uh, uh, to develop processes that make you faster, that make you agile
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, uh, where you can capitalize on that uh, cost uh, on that uh, on that money opportunity, that revenue opportunity for introducing the product at the right time and at the right place by the way.
1: so I'm going to offer another principle to our list, which may be one that you very well have that we did covered. But what we were just talking about, I would call that the uh, most important projects first, because, you know, one of our concepts in Lean is which are the projects that we should actually be working on. Oh,
2: absolutely. (laughs) And
1: most organizations, they have way too many of them.
2: Absolutely.
1: It's like we can finish 100 projects in three years, or we could do the six in the next six months. That's going to actually generate revenue for us. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. let's give our energies towards okay. those senses. I have
2: uh, a few uh, uh, answers for that. Okay. First of all, a very important lean principle says uh, is single piece flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you work on one thing at the one time and finish it, uh, you are twice as fast than if you work two things at the same time and um uh, but that all boils down to again um you can't work on everything and we told our marketing department at Goodyear they can have anything from R&D but not everything they want right and we engaged them into uh, selecting up what are the most uh, valuable things to work on and that decision is made by a uh, by a team uh, today, uh, a cross-functional team of engineers and uh, marketing people, manufacturing people, and so on. And uh, they are shown the capacity uh, visually, and they pick what they want to put in that capacity. And now you have everybody engaged. There's no argument about what you're going to work on. Mm-hmm. And uh, you only uh, select as much work as you have capacity for, and then you execute. And that is really a process that works extremely well, also for speed, but it's not as easy I described it right now, right. as you may guess. It took a long time to get there. Uh, and th- there are two things uh, pretty much that helped me. Uh, the first one is in a, in a good uh, project portfolio. You mm-hmm. do not manage individual projects. You manage a portfolio. And there is a money value to that portfolio. And there's a money value over time to that portfolio. And that is something that uh, companies need to understand. You have the right portfolio. And as you project it out over the next years, uh, it generates the most revenue uh, for the company. And uh, there are good ways, very easy ways of doing that these days, uh, That is number one, to have that portfolio, to understand the impact of projects, to understand uh, how one new project affects other new projects, to understand how a new uh, product affects all the old products that are already in line, very, very, very important, and to understand the timeline uh, on this. the first one and the second one as I said you uh, make it visual what capacity you have mm-hmm. and uh, you let uh, marketing, sales uh, together with engineering and everybody you let them pick how they use that base. So there are no arguments, we were all together, we all made the, the best decision and now we execute. And there will be changes coming but uh, when we make a change there's no argument Then it's again done by a cross-functional team who uh, 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 who looks at changes in the marketplace or in customer preferences or whatever, and then they make the appropriate changes. But uh, it, you cannot get in the situation where you work on uh, three times too many projects and they all drag along because you don't have resources. Right. Um, I went through several iterations at Goodyear where we have too many projects. What are we going to do about it? And it happens every couple of years. Well, mm-hmm. you should, not have to do that if you uh, have the right you uh, have the right principles up front and follow them you will not get into that situation
1: excellent i'm glad we talked about that as well because many people are in that situation with too many projects going on in their organizations so some good insights for us and everyday innovators know that i love a good innovation quote and i always ask guests for one what do you have for us Norbert? and tell us more about that one
2: I uh, actually use this in my book, and uh, uh, you will uh, notice that a lot of what we talked about uh, uh, is summarized by this quote. Technical products are complicated. The process to design them does not have to be.
1: And tell us more about what that means to you.
2: Oh, okay. The um, Pretty much, uh, I want uh, innovators uh, to have time to focus on uh, the technology and not get sidetracked and have to spend all that time um, uh, working with uh, complicated processes, filling out uh, spreadsheets, uh, filling out uh, uh, timelines, and so on, and so on. Uh, I am uh, totally convinced, and I have even personal experience with that, that a lot of people use sophisticated project management software because uh, they have not been able to set the right priorities or they try to manage too many projects at the same time and everything gets in conflict with everything else i believe if you follow some of the the, uh, the, the principles that i have mentioned where uh, people only work on one project at a, at a time and where you do not let any more projects into the pipeline that you have resources for, then you don't need all these sophisticated project mm-hmm. management uh, tools. And you can manage your projects uh, with sticky notes on a wall. Right. And uh, that is also what Scrum and Agile and all these uh, 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 tools that are so popular uh, with a lot of people that's uh, what they uh that's how they manage their mm-hmm. projects It's just one simple board and a few sticky notes
1: yeah keep it simple and keep the information visible there we go so good quote technical products are complicated the processes to design them do not have to be great thanks for sharing that how can people find out more about the book the work that you're doing now and get a hold of you if they wish to
2: First of all, uh, my book is on Amazon, like uh, like uh, most good books. Uh, if you uh, type uh, Lean Innovation or uh, my name, uh, you will very easily find it.
1: Okay. And I'll make sure the show in the show notes, I'll put links to make that easy too.
2: Very good. And uh, I uh, have a website. Uh, the website is the title of my book, which makes it very easy. Again, okay. uh, Lean Driven Innovation, uh, one word. Uh, a lot of stuff is on there. Um uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, actually uh, quite active on LinkedIn. uh, Sent me an invite. I will uh, people who sent me invite. I uh, will um, uh, I will accept them. uh, Except if uh, people try to sell me something, I may think about (laughs) it longer. But uh, I I use uh, I use LinkedIn uh, very very um, extensively. I like to use these platforms to share it. Uh, please publish my email. I, uh, I answer emails. I answer all my emails, and uh, I'd love to get them, and I promise to answer them. Uh, my email address is myfirstname.mylastnamegmail.com. Uh, Again, as simple as it can possibly be. Great. I'll add all this information to the show notes so that
1: people can get a hold of you, find out more about your book, and the resources on your website at leandriveninnovation.com. Very good. Norbert, I appreciate you being with us.
2: Well, I appreciate the opportunity. This was very good. I uh, uh, hope uh, people um, get a few, uh, a few little nuggets out of this thing to help make their work a little easier, a little simpler, so that they can do better at innovating.
1: I expect they will. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to The Everyday Innovator, where product leaders and managers make their move to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. If you're finding this podcast valuable, please help others find it as well. The easiest way to do that is to leave a review on iTunes, and also please share it with fellow product managers. Now, those written notes of the discussion with Norbert they're at the slash 212 I hope you check those out. Keep innovating.
0: Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit the everydayinnovator.com.